0: Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. This is the gospel of the law. This fantastic story of what happened to Jesus on a mountain is seminal to understanding the relationship which Jesus had to God and to his friends. It's a wonderful story of a picnic on the top of a mountain, of people getting away from what was going on on the plain below and giving themselves an opportunity to think together, pull themselves together, and relate to each other. It's in the three synoptic gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not in John, the fourth gospel, who makes a commentary. On the other Gospels in what he says about this story in other ways. Where does it take place? Well, it takes place in northern Israel. We think Mount Tabor on the plain of Jezreel. Some people think it's Mount Hermon, but I'm pretty sure that's too far away and too high for this kind of a picnic to take place. You'd probably need oxygen masks on the top. When? In the early autumn of the year, prior to the crucifixion and Mark says it was six days after Peter's confession at Caesarea Philippi Caesarea Philippi being also crucial this great pantheistic heathen pagan temple in the side of a rock in the hill one of the sources of the Jordan River and finally Jesus takes his friends there before this And pushes them to say, what do you think about God and his love? And in the end he pushes them so far that Peter says, you Lord are the Christ. You are the one we should follow. And they return back down to the Sea of Galilee, which is near where this takes place. So a rounded mountain on the plain between Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee, one of the places Jesus frequently walked What was going on? Well, you know what it's like if you want to share some serious things with people, you set them up. You try and give them a drink and sit them down or you take them somewhere where they'll be comfortable with you. And all the, you don't try to point to what you're gonna say, you try to make sure that you suddenly spring it on them. And they go, oh, oh, that's what you really meant. Well, Jesus is doing exactly this with his friends. What he's doing is taking them on a picnic into the sun quietly giving them the opportunity to reflect with him, open the thermos flasks, eat the sandwiches and rest away from what's going on down on the plain where people have been mobbing him. What's it about? What's transfiguring mean? It means a change in form. Metamorphosis is what it means. And what's going on in the Gospels as they tell this story is an account of what Jesus looked like to his friends on the top of the mountain after they'd been to sleep and were rubbing their eyes to wake up. So what happened is that Jesus looked different to them. They knew it was Jesus, but he looked completely different. And in the words of the Gospel, It's a wonderful description. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. The sun overshadowed them. Suddenly there was a change and the disciples' hearts were raised. They were thrilled to find that they were part of a transformation both within them and within Jesus himself. Jesus became changed before them. Not only that, but as the sun shone brightly in their faces, they saw shadows of other forms. They identified the shadows as Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. They were listening in to what was going on. Moses and Elijah. Do you get the symbolism of that? Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophets. And it reminds the disciples that this young rabbi that they love and follow and are compelled to listen to, who's come up from the plain to be with them in the quiet of the mountainside, is different. And suddenly... They get the point. He's the bridge. He's the link. He's the Jewishness of the Jews. And yet, he's wider than all of that. He stretches back to Moses and the law-giving on the Mount of Sinai with the Ten Commandments. That's there. And he's with Elijah prophesying change. Change the law and the prophets. So there we are on a picnic in Mount Tabor in northern Israel. If you've ever been lucky enough to go to Israel and you've been to Mount Tabor, you'll see this, a great stone Franciscan church dazzling in the sunlight on the top, huge. And when you go in with its alabaster windows, It's very dark and as you look at the distance you suddenly see a bridge over a lower chapel and an upper chapel and the lower chapel is dark with stained glass with peacocks in it and the top chapel is bright and glows with gold mosaics and what are you looking at? You're looking at the dual nature of Jesus Christ. Man and God held together on this mountainside. The transfigured Christ is above and below is the earthiness of Jesus the man. The dual nature. And sometimes art and music captures what we find almost impossible to understand in other ways. This gives us that opportunity of being brought to our knees in worship and adoration of the God who loves us. So what does the transfiguration mean for Christian people? It really stands for a change in believers, a change in the heart and mind of believers, that if they're touched in any way by Jesus Christ, if his dazzling glory can enter their hearts and minds, if they can be silent for long enough, if they can listen to his words and absorb his character, they will be inwardly changed for life by the power of the Spirit and the energy of God. So this is about capturing for you lot and for me the energy and the power of God. Do you want that in your life? Do you want to claim it for yourselves? Or do you think this is a piece of uh, ridiculous writing that never happened? Well, that's up to you. Go back and read Mark's gospel, chapter 9, and read the experience of those apostles, disciples on the top of a mountain, and listen as they listened. And see if you can hear the quiet voice of God saying this, is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And if you're convinced, listen. And you'll be surprised at what happens. May the transfigured Christ be with you this day and always.